0: Good morning, church. I know a lot of you guys are wondering, where's Major Phil and Major Debbie at? It's okay. It's okay. Um, first off, greeting. Uh, thank you guys for coming. This is a wow, this is a lot of people. Um, makes me nervous when I see crowds like this, but that's okay. So before we start, may we open with a word of prayer. Uh, may you bow your heads. Father God, we just thank you for this morning, Lord. And Father God, right now I ask for your Holy Spirit to take control of everything that is about to happen, Father God. Father God, I surrender my life personally to you and to your spirit, Father God, and may you just take control of me at this very moment, and may I speak, and may I speak boldly with your power and with your grace, Father God, to these people, Lord, and may we leave here changed and different, Father God, because of you, and we just thank you for it now in your precious name, amen. So today I have the uh, honor and privilege on speaking such a uh, momentum-building day, 316 uh, thank you, Major Phil and Thomas, for giving me this day um, instead of taking it yourself. just more pressure um, also today, um, I know we 'll mention it later, but today, Santos and Amanda, who was singing earlier, uh, this is their last Sunday here, so I definitely want to leave them with a uh, with a good note as they move back to the mainland. Uh, just more pressure that 's all um, but today we 're looking at the subject of diving deeper into the deep, and we 're going to dive deeper into the word of fellowship. Um, it is such a term that we throw around with, uh, with churches so often that sometimes we kind of dim down its true meaning and its purpose um, and what God has in store through fellowship for the church and what its original intent was for each and every one of us. Um, so with that, we'll look at our Bible passage for today. And uh, we're looking at the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, or you can just read it up there on the screen. Um, Acts chapter 2, and we're just going to pull a short little... A short little section towards the end of that chapter. Um, And basically what I love about this chapter is it's our, uh, it's what God had intended true fellowship to look like. Um, And we'll go deeper into that, but this is the model which God has given us on what fellowship ought to be like or what it ought to look like. Um, So if you could, read with me. Um, Starting with verse 42, Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So this passage basically is our little model of what true fellowship ought to look like. It's us sharing together. It's us getting together. It's us using our resources and giving to one another as we see need. So if there's somebody that is down, we ought to uh, give and provide whatever that person is needing so that they can be uh, doing God's will or God's purpose in their own lives. So that's what this model is supposed to look like. It's not just us getting together as we throw around so loosely in churches nowadays with fellowship, with the word fellowship. It's not just us getting together, but it's us. It's this very thing right here where we're getting together and we're sharing and we're speaking life into each other. And we're doing all these things in God's name. But see, sometimes we don't understand what fellowship truly means because we don't really have a clear picture. Or nobody ever told us what the true meaning or the true intent of what fellowship ought to be. You see, fellowship, in the Greek, it's called koinonia. There used to be a church, I think in Waipau, whose name was koinonia. And what koinonia means in English is Fellowship. But its, its true meaning is to hold uh, a common bond, uh, to co- hold something in common together. See, kononia was used to describe corporations or businesses or partnerships or even intimate marriages. Kononia used to describe those types of settings. And kononia also used to, uh, used to depict that these two parties or these groups that were held together with this common thing um, was dependent on each other. There was an interdependence between these two parties uh, that met together in these marriages, in these corporations, in these partnerships. So basically, there was one that could not exist without the other. Who in here has ever saw the show Married with Children? Raise your hands. I know it's a rotten show. I know, but be honest. Yeah, right, like the song goes, right? Right. Love and marriage sing sing with me. Love and marriage. Horse and carriage. This I tell you, brother. You can't have one without the Other. good. All of you dated yourselves. That's how old you are. Embrace it. Also, that tells me how late you used to stay up and the types of shows you were watching. That's awesome. But it's the same principle, where you can't have one without the other. Same thing in this fellowship, in this bond, in this partnerships. these things that we have in common, these things that we share. These two parties or these groups, you can't have one without the other. So same thing with this fellowship in these settings in the book of Acts. So it wasn't just a meeting, it was this thing that they shared and they had this thing in common And both parties were in it together. The other thing about this koinonia or this fellowship and its true intent is that it's not just us being together. It's us actually doing together. When we are called into fellowship with Christ, it's not just us being in Christ and that's it. And we'll leave it at that. No, it's us actually doing with Christ. Christ. We actually are made to do something with him while he dwells in us. And I think a lot of people kind of don't understand that. See, I'm Polynesian, Hawaiian, born and raised Why I? right down the road. Actually, not down the road. It's kind of far out there in the country. But Polynesians, we love potlucks. We absolutely adore potlucks. Bram. Loves potlucks. If there is a potluck, he will be there, guarantee, even if he's not invited. But it's just the thing, it's just a culture, right? It's the culture that we live in. Polynesians love potlucks. That's just the way it is. Doesn't matter what type of Polynesian you are Hawaiian, Samoan, Tongan, doesn't matter. We love potlucks. And the sad fact is, we drug a lot of countries or Ethnicity is with us, and they all love potlucks too now. <laughs> Obviously I love potlucks. My shirt got tighter overnight. But it's just the way it is. And the reason why we love potlucks is because we love to just get together. That's just what we do. We love getting together, talk story, gossip, whatever it may be. But that's just the way it is. So when we think in terms of fellowship, we cannot think in terms of it's just going to be another potluck. We need to really dive in and think about its true intent, its true meaning. Even when we do basketball. I like to play sports. Basketball, volleyball, softball. I like to do it all. Like a jack-of-all-trades in sports. I'm not great at any one of them. I'm just, I like to play. It. But sometimes churches, we love to do it. We have a basketball league going on right now. It's a church league where we fellowship and we get together. But are we really getting together in its true intent of what fellowship ought to be and we're going to take a look at that right now so fellowship in its true intent as it states in there on what that ought to look like for us that church in acts is it needs to start with the holy spirit it is the holy spirit indwelling in us that gets us to that point See, we can't even come close to calling anything fellowship or anything a get-together for God's purpose if we don't even have the the fellowship of the Holy Spirit in each and every one of us. So let me throw that at you right now. Are you in fellowship with Christ? Is that same spirit that was in that church in Acts in you? See, it's a tough question. It's a tough question to answer, and we can't actually move on until you're able to answer that question. See, if we can answer that and say, yes, that same Spirit is in, is in me, well, then I can truly say that that should happen naturally. The sharing of each other's possessions and the breaking of bread and the gathering with sincere hearts and sharing in the faith, that happens naturally if the Spirit is in You You see, in the book of Acts, this passage actually takes place, place after the Pentecost. The Pentecost is when God said, I will pour my spirit out on my people. And now the spirit is not just going to dwell around them, but they're, it's going to dwell in them. So as the spirit came down and it started to dwell in the people uh, with the disciples and they started speaking in tongues, many were kind of wondering what was it that was going on. So they gathered, and it says by the thousands. Thousands gathered and looked at these people and were wondering what is it that's going on as they were speaking in tongues. They were speaking in tongues because they were filled with the Spirit of God. So as these thousands gathered, they were all wondering what is happening. Are these guys drunk? I love Peter's reply because it says, no, they're not drunk. It's only 9 in the morning. It's not happy hour yet. They're not drunk. So as the people were still in amazement, Peter starts to address the crowd and says, Look, this is the same spirit that God said he wants to pour into these people and pour into you. So before we even get to that point, again I ask, is that same spirit in each and every one of us? Because once we can answer that, again, we can move on. Because it's so crucial. Because you see, just like that word koinonia, where we have this common bond, this common thing, that one common thing is the Spirit of God. See, if we all share that, if we all share that same Spirit, that same Spirit that God has promised each and every one of us, not just some of us, not just leadership, not just Sunday school teachers, Not just praise and worship team. But if we all, it looks about maybe 200, however many this is, he promised each and every one of us that same spirit to dwell in us. And if we can get all together that same spirit to dwell in each and every one of us, I firmly believe that this will happen. Because again, it happens naturally. There wasn't anybody that came up after the spirit dwelt in them And they started speaking in tongues, and thousands were being saved and speaking in tongues and being spirit-filled. And they said, okay, guys, now let's get together and meet in somebody's house, and let's share food and talk story about this. Let's potluck. Let's make another potluck. Nobody ever said that. It just went from, if you read the the previous passages before this one, it just says they were spirit-filled. Thousands were saved on that day, and all the believers were gathering it's just a natural occurrence. No motivation needed. Just the Spirit of God. Just the Holy Spirit to dwell in you and me. And this will happen naturally. Why? Why do we need this? Why do we need the Spirit of God to dwell in us? Well, as believers, I'd like to think that there's a purpose behind it. And there really is a purpose. There's a reason that God wants to put his spirit in you and in me and in each and every one of us. And if we look at Ephesians chapter 3 verse 8 through 11, it says, To me, the very least of all saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ, and to bring to light what is the administration of the ministry which for ages has been hidden in God, who created all things, in order that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church, to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, the church has a purpose for fellowshipping. The church has a purpose for our get-togethers. But if we're just getting together without a purpose, then it's just another get-together. Then it's just another potluck. See, if we play basketball, but at the same time we're serving the purpose of God, well, then it's just more than basketball. Now it's more than just basketball. Now there's more than just guys trying to act young again. Yes, laugh, because you know that's you. If we play volleyball together in a church league, but we exalt the name of God while we're doing it, and people see that in us, well, then it's more than just volleyball. It's more than just us getting together, acting like we can jump high. See, we play softball. Well, I'm not playing now because I acted young and now I'm hurt. But we play softball on Sundays. And every time we used to play on these Saturday nights or these Sundays, and they asked me to pray, there's one thing I always pray. I always do it. It just comes out. And here's the thing. I ask God... That while we're playing softball, that the others around us, bystanders that just see the game, or kids that are just riding their bikes playing kendamas or whatever it is, that when they see us men having fun playing softball or basketball or volleyball or whatever it is, that they may see a a marked difference between our league and our game, between anybody else's game. And I just pray that that difference is the Spirit of God is among us. Same thing with our potlucks. You see, families can get together and have a potluck with alcohol involved, with anything else involved, any and everything except the presence of God. So when we think in terms of potluck, may we have, well, not the alcohol, but may we share and talk story. Polynesians love to talk story. Potlucks usually last about four or five hours. If you're going to plan to go to a Polynesian potluck, expect to be there the whole day. That's just the way it is. So we have potlucks at my mom's house. It's an entire Sunday. Right after church, we go there and we just, we're there for the whole day. That's just the way it is. We could talk for four hours, eat for about ten minutes because we're so hungry after that. And then we talk for another two hours. It's crazy, but that's just the way it is. But if we include the word of God and we're serving his purpose, well, now it's more than just a potluck. Now we're doing God's word, and what he purposed for us to do is to make known the manifest wisdom of God or the many-faceted wisdom of God to the world, to everyone around us. So again, diving deeper into fellowship is not just thinking in terms of you by yourself, but also how can you contribute with the church around you? How can fellowship have a much more deeper meaning than just potlucks or get-togethers or hanging out? Because I think once we start doing that, then I think we can truly become like that Acts Church, like it says, where we're really getting together, breaking bread, not just to eat, not just to share, but for a common purpose. For something that is so much better than what we have right now. You see, I'm a a sucker for family get-togethers. I'm a family guy. I love it. I love staying with my family, just hanging out. But I really feel that God is... Nudging me into turning those get togethers into something more than just a get together with family. Same thing with this family here, our church family. It needs to be something more than just getting together. And again, it starts with the Holy Spirit. Can we be a, be a spirit filled people, spirit filled church that serves a purpose, God's will in each and every one of our lives? And that can take us to this place. You see that last portion of verse 47 up there. It says, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. But that last sentence. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. See, as a church, that's our mission. To go out, preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You see, as this Acts church met in the natural, where the Spirit filled them and filled the church, and this happened, well, we can see the result of when true fellowship happens. It is God adds to your numbers daily those who are being saved. You see, the beauty about this Acts church is when they're Spirit-filled and the Holy Spirit fell among the people, They didn't have to go outside of the church and start to go and look for people to to preach to and go and recruit. The Holy Spirit brought them to them. The Holy Spirit brought the thousands to them. And the thousands and many were being saved and many were being spirit-filled. You see, if we can fill ourselves with the Holy Spirit and fill this church with the Holy Spirit, each and every one of us, I firmly believe God's going to bring the multitudes to this place. I firmly believe that the same spirit that lived in that Acts 2 times, that era right there that we can model after, that same spirit and that same power wants to live in us, wants to dwell in us, not just around us, wants to dwell in us. And that same spirit can transform this community or the communities that you live in because of that last passage right there, that many are going to be saved God's going to bring the people to us. See, we always try to figure out how can we get out to the community. Well, let's just be a spirit-filled person, spirit-filled church, and God's going to bring the community to us. You see, it says, I, I, I just absolutely love it. And I never really realized it until I started reading this passage more and more and more. I tend to overstudy sometimes when I have to get up here. But it never dawned on me that Thousands came to them in bewilderment and amazed with what was happening. And those thousands, many were saved. But the church, it never said that they had to go out. Everybody came to them. Such an impactful message to me. Because I always have to think, how can I do my job better? How can I go out and reach these kids, these kids, this people, this people? Or maybe if I just fill Maybe if we just fill ourselves with the Spirit, they'll come to us. They're going to come to us. So again, I go back to the first question. Are you, personally, you by yourself, filled with the Spirit? Secondly, are we, are you, Serving God's purpose. Are we serving God's purpose? See, it's one thing to say that we're spirit-filled, but if we're not serving God's purpose for it, well then, as we can see in this this passage, it just comes out of the natural. Once we are truly spirit-filled, out of the natural, we're going to start to do God's will. Out of the natural, we're going to find those who are spirit-filled, and we're going to do God's will together just as it says in Ephesians that the church, it is our purpose to display God's wonders and his his miracles to everyone. So can we get to that point? Can we get to this? Can we get to this church? I firmly believe we do. I firmly believe we can. And I think we will. It's just a matter of personal your personal life are you willing to sacrifice everything are you willing to sacrifice whatever it is if you look at this passage they said they sold their possessions their property anybody in this crowd owns a house or is purchasing a house has cars okay you all have loans that's fine we'll still consider that purchasing and owning a house But are you willing to just give all that up and just give it freely, give it to anybody that might be in need of finances, of any type of resource, food to eat, clothes to wear, a house to sleep in, a car to drive for the day, for the week, for the month, whatever it is? Are we willing to make that personal sacrifice for God's kingdom? And again, if we're spirit-filled, I think we will. I think we can get to that place. I think we're bound for that place. I think we're bound to be this type of church. Not just Croc Center, but churches all over. But again, it starts with us. It starts with us. We need to be spirit-filled first. If each and every one of us can do that. See, we are called to be the body of Christ each and every one of us God has gifted us with different talents different abilities and it is our job to use those abilities for God's kingdom it was explained to me like this it's kind of like an orchestra one instrument playing by itself might not sound all that great but you add the entire orchestra together every single instrument playing the same score or the sheet of music playing together in harmony, it sounds even more beautiful. The same way it can be said about the church. See, one person might be okay, but you add the church to get involved, how much more beautiful can it be? God never designed the church to operate alone. He designed the church to operate like this. So that as we go, as we gather, as we do God's word together, we can truly feel the Holy Spirit enter in and move amongst us. And the thousands and the multitudes will gather because of us. Wouldn't that be an awesome thing to have happen? So the last thing I want you to do is close your eyes. Yes, another close your eyes sermon. I want you to truly close your eyes and I want you to imagine this. I want you to imagine what this church would have been like to be a part of. What would this church would have been like to be a part of where we're freely sharing and and breaking of bread and gathering together and building up in faith with sincere hearts. What would that feel like for each and every one of us? What would that sound like? What would that smell like? I don't know. What would that taste like? I, Just I want you to have a deeper understanding of what it would be like to live in that time when Acts chapter 2 happened. When the Holy Spirit came down, entered in, and God's people in the natural just just started giving up of their, their resources and sharing with each other. Wouldn't that be an awesome feeling? Wouldn't that be a great feeling where we're all combined together like an orchestra, playing the same music, making such a magnificent sound, wouldn't that be awesome? How much more of an impact could we make?